Vox Quick Hits. A college education has long been framed as the golden ticket to prosperity in America. Millions of people have gone into debt to get that ticket. And it's a decision that often follows them throughout their lives. Student debt forgiveness used to be a pretty fringe idea in America. But over the years, that's changed. President Joe Biden has called on Congress to cancel $10,000 in federal student loans. But many Democrats want him to cancel up to $50,000 by executive order. And some activists are calling on him to forgive all student debt altogether. This week on Tell Me More, we'll dig into the debate around student debt forgiveness. Today, the case for it, and tomorrow, the case against. Joining me is Feneba Otto, an associate professor of public policy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, who's going to talk about the case for canceling student debt. Obviously, America's student debt problem is big. And I'm curious if you could lay out the scope a little bit of what we're talking about when we're talking about student debt. So currently, the aggregate student loan debt has surpassed about $1.7 trillion. So that's about 45 million borrowers hold outstanding student loans. And individuals are carrying this debt burden further on into their lives as they age. So we're really talking about a major issue, a negative line on the household balance sheet that is accumulating um, for many individuals and their families as well. It does feel that sometimes this gets framed very much as, as a young people problem, but it's a much bigger issue. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about the impacts of student debt, you know, who's being most effective and where this is showing up in their lives. A lot of the work that I have done has actually focused on young adults, but we know that it's a much broader issue, as you have alluded to. So we have student debt that students take on. We also have other loan products, such as the Parent PLUS loan, in which parents take on debt for their children to attend higher education. But we also know that now we have these intergenerational stories of parents having debt from when they attended school And now their children are ready to go to higher ed and they're taking on debt too. So now speaking to what are like the implications, what are the consequences of this debt? There is growing literature based on, you know, empirical studies finding that it is delaying home ownership, people acquiring more assets, people who have debt are accumulating retirement savings later than those who do not have student loan debt. So it seems to be a lot more mounting evidence that it is impeding asset accumulation and savings over time. And so this is concerning if we believe that these are important or necessary factors that individuals and households need in order to reach some form of financial stability or security in their lives. What would forgiving student debt mean if we talk about doing this broad-based forgiveness that, that is part of the political conversation? What would that look like for borrowers? Yeah, so I guess one place where I want to start is talking about what the student loan distribution looks like, right? So what we know is that, yes, I cited there are about 45 million borrowers that owe debt, but a small percentage of them owe a majority of the debt. So these, you know, when you hear it in the media, these kind of like explosive, like uh, six-figure debt. And most borrowers have about $20,000 or less 
in student debt. But that's actually the population that is struggling with the repayment, with the default and delinquencies. So we have these very interesting patterns that are playing out among the debt distribution. The people at the higher ends of the student loan debt distribution tend to have their college degree, um, have gone to graduate school, and they're not necessarily having the issues with repayment. What we're interested and focused on is this population at the lower ends of the debt distribution who are struggling, for whom the repercussions of a default and delinquency can be very detrimental to their future borrowing and their future access to credit markets, for example. So when we think about student loans, you know, student loan cancellation, we're thinking about how can we reach the most borrowers, the most number of borrowers, and for whom would it be most transformative insofar as is removing this debt burden from their lives, but opening up that opportunity and the possibility that they can start, you know, saving, start to start um, building their their wealth um, to an extent that they haven't been able to because of this debt burden. Yeah, it feels like to me sometimes this is framed, as you said before, as these giant amounts of debt that are held. But really what we don't talk about a lot of the time are people who just you know, maybe didn't finish school or something or just didn't get a high paying job and their debt burden isn't enormous, but it's enormous in the context of their lives. Yes, absolutely. So they have this debt burden, but they're not receiving the returns to a college degree that those who have one are getting in the labor market. So that, you know, that is very concerning if they have accumulated a debt, but they don't necessarily have the accompanying college degree to show for it. One major issue that we're seeing is that Black borrowers in particular seem disproportionately hit by student debt. They take on more debt and they have a harder time paying it off. Can you talk a little bit about the racial equity element to this? Yeah, so um, a lot of the work that I have done with my co-author, Jason Hull, has been explicitly teasing out these relationships in which we see higher rates of debt accumulation among back borrowers and higher rates of default delinquency and a growing debt disparity over time, is particular among young adults. And what we tried to do in our work is show how these trends and these patterns stem from broader societal racial wealth inequality, because their parents or they came from households that lacked the wealth in order to help support them through higher education, through those years of gaining a degree, meant that they had to turn to credit and debt markets in order to pay. And then when they leave school, they enter into markets that, uh, labor markets that are more likely, more likely to face discrimination, not offered comparable wages as their white counterparts, and they're just not as likely to pay back or they, they take a longer time to pay back those debts over time. Mm-hmm. And so forgiveness, I would assume, would really help Black borrowers a lot. Yes, because they're disproportionately represented in this group. Uh, they would benefit from from a debt forgiveness program or debt cancellation program. I should say that because the average or the median debt of a Black borrower is higher, we would need to see a, a slightly larger amount in order for it to really be this transformative uh, policy within Black families and households with student debt. So whenever I write about student debt, I hear from people who are skeptical of student debt forgiveness. They write and say, listen, it's somebody's choice to go to school and people should now pay back what they owe. And that's that. And I'm curious what you say to people who who think like that. I don't necessarily disagree with that argument. However, I do think that when we look at the numbers associated with the student loan debt, how much has been accumulated, how many students in their families have debt, how many people are struggling to repayment. These are 
clear signals that something is broken, that something isn't working, something isn't right about what students and their families are doing in order to achieve social mobility within our society, especially if it's tied to going further into debt and not necessarily achieving some form of financial or economic security. So something is not right with the system. And if there's something not right, then we need to be doing something to address the problem. I strongly believe that we need policy-based solutions in order to address this broken system. So the idea is that obviously it's part of a broader conversation that maybe we need to have about the way we finance higher education in America. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is a great discussion. Benaba Otto is an associate professor of public policy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Tune in tomorrow for part two of our student debt series. We'll talk to an economist who's more skeptical of student debt forgiveness. 